Today we're praying through the story of the worst enemy of the church turning into one of the most beloved and effective instruments of God. If you think that the choices that you have made disqualify you from serving God, today is for you. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me as we dive into episode 110 today. I'm going to pray through Acts chapter 9, but before we do that, let's open with a bit of worship. Today we are going to be looking at two verses, Acts 9.15 and 9.20. And we'll be talking about the sovereignty of God and Jesus as the Son of God. So the first verse says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. This is Acts 9.15, and this is God speaking to Ananias. So we will see that later on today, but this is God's sovereignty at play This is what I have chosen to do, no matter how confusing it sounds to us here on earth. In Acts 9.20, immediately he, and this is Paul, or Saul, began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. And that's where we land. We land on Jesus is the Son of God. So, let's dive in. Father, thank you for this opportunity. No matter how scattered, no matter how confused my speech feels to me, I am putting it at your feet as an offering. This time is yours, and I am honoring you this morning. I'm honoring your sovereignty. So many times that we are confused by what's going on in our life, in our world, by the things that you are doing in our life or not doing in our life. And we don't have the big picture, but you do. We are not in complete control over this world. You are. And today we honor you and recognize your sovereignty, that you're in charge. And my job is to love and obey, that I am to be obedient to what you have asked me to do, whether I understand it or not. And I just honor and recognize you for your sovereignty today. And also, Jesus, you are the Son of God fully man, fully human, fully God at the same time. And while I can't even approach understanding the implications of that, I'm honoring you today as God. And I'm thanking you for your sacrifice that you made on my behalf so that we can even sit here and have this conversation in a, in a one-on-one way. I so appreciate your sacrifice on my behalf. It is because you died for my sins that we can approach God with confidence and, uh, and, and him see us as righteous. That when he looks at us, he sees your righteousness. I'm so grateful for that. Amen. This is Acts chapter 9 that we are reading and praying through today, and we come to probably one of the most famous stories in Acts, Saul's conversion. And we saw Saul in the last couple of episodes at the stoning of Stephen, and we saw his wholehearted support for Stephen's death, and he played a big part in the subsequent persecution of the believers. And that's where we pick up today with three stories, Saul's conversion, Saul's early activity, and Peter's travels, the miracles that he performs. So I'm going to read, pray, read, pray today. We're going to stop periodically. You'll hear scripture and then we'll pray. So this is Acts chapter 9 and it says, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest, requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged 
to the way, that is the believers in Christ, he could bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Now falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. All right, let's pray through that section. Father, this story is so familiar to us in many ways. Spirit, I ask you to open the the word this morning so that we can understand it and apply it to ourselves through prayer in new ways. To help us see things in this story maybe we didn't see before. Help us to learn to take something from this story that we can come to you in prayer in this morning. I'm struck by Saul's kind of all-in nature his passion, whatever he was doing when he was persecuting, he played full out, right? And when he became your disciple, he played full out also. But what a shift. What a what an interruption in his day, right? You didn't just use a little something small to get his attention. Like you got his attention. And I appreciate his response. His his world was was shook, shaken. His world was shaken. He finds himself unable to see, had an encounter with Jesus that he could not deny. And what does he do? He follows directions. He does exactly what Jesus told him to do. He went into Damascus and waited. And while he waited, he was shut off from the sight of the rest of the world, shut off from his normal world, normal information taking in abilities. And he fasted. He didn't eat or drink. When we hear your voice, whether it is this dramatic or not at all dramatic, whether it's a quiet whisper, pray that we would respond. If we don't have enough information, we wait. We do exactly what you told us to do. He said, get up and go into the city and I'll give you further instructions. And so Saul waited. But as he waited, he fasted. And so I I ask that you would teach us how to respond in this case like Paul, like Saul. That we would not only be obedient, but we would be attentive and wait. That we would listen for your instructions. That we would be patient. That we would be actively waiting. He was actively seeking. You don't, you don't fast as a practice without actively seeking God. Scripture says then, There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the straight called Straight. The Lord said to him, To the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him, so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For this man is my chosen instrument, to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he has to suffer for my name. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. All right, let's pray through that that portion. We have a picture of obedience in these scriptures, of recognizing your authority in these scriptures. Both the players here, right? Saul recognized your authority and he waited for instructions. He was praying. You sent him visions. You were communicating. He was talking to you. He was active in his waiting, but this was obedience. It's recognizing your authority and obedience to your word. And on the other side of the equation, we have Ananias, who, if I'm not saying that right, I forgot to check it and it always looks weird to me. So I apologize. (laughs) But he also was listening, sensitive to your voice, obedient to you and recognized your authority. He had a conversation with you and he's like, are you sure? Because this is the guy that's killing your people. Like this could be dangerous for me. Are you sure? And God's like, yes, go. This is what I have chosen to do. And he obeyed. And then like, I'm kind of fascinated by the detail, fascinated by the detail of the scales falling off of his eyes. He doesn't even know how to explain that. Luke's a doctor describing this. He doesn't even know how to explain that how to tell us what that is. Your work is miraculous. Your work in hearts is miraculous. And I recognize that today. But I also love Saul's immediate action. He's an action taker. He got up. He was baptized immediately and regained his strength, began to eat and regained his strength. So then scripture says Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. And immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc to those who called on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. After many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him, but Saul learned of their plot. So they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. When he arrived back in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe that he was actually a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Okay, let's pray. Father, we see a Saul having this massive change in his life, this massive transformation and trying to begin to do your work. He can't help but tell of who he has met, of the one who has transformed his life. There's a pattern throughout his life, right? This is his message. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God, the message of the resurrection. And he began speaking about it immediately. So let me just pray right now for the people who feel like they aren't spiritually mature enough to share their faith. They aren't spiritually mature enough to teach about Jesus. And Saul shows us that that's just not true. Now, certainly he had a vast understanding of scripture because he was a Pharisee. He had things in place that gave him ways to interact with the Jewish community. And yet he was very young in this belief system, in this in the, in the way, right? I air quoted the way, in the way. He began to speak immediately. He began to share his story immediately. 
He was not disqualified because he was spiritually immature, and he was not disqualified because he had done and said horrible, horrible things to and about the believers. His decisions, his past, his past, anything in his past, his actions, his attitudes did not disqualify him from being one of the most powerful change forces on earth. They didn't disqualify him and they don't disqualify us. And I ask that you would begin to work in our hearts to see ourselves as equipped by you rather than held and chained by our circumstances or our choices. You say we become a new creature in Christ. When we believe in the name of Jesus, we are a new creature. The old has passed away. It is gone. Help us to live that out. Help us to live it out as Paul lived it out here, that we would be free to speak of our relationship with you, free to speak of the fact that you are the Son of God, the Messiah, that your resurrection changes our world, but also that our choices in our past doesn't define us. It no longer has hold on us in the way it did before, and it certainly no longer defines us as a believer. You define us. You're the one who is allowed to tell us who we are, not our past and not our youth or spiritual immaturity. The passage goes on, and I think this is the wrap-up. The passage goes on and says, So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. As Peter was traveling from place to place, he also came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. She was always doing good works and acts of charity. About that time, she became sick and died. After washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two men to him who urged him, Don't delay in coming with us. So Peter got up and went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs, and all the widows approached him, weeping, showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down, prayed, and turning toward the body, said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her stand up. He called the saints and widows and presented her alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. That wraps up the chapter. Kind of an amazing thing. We start with the persecution of the church, and we end with the church in peace. Father, the verses say that the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were strengthened. They lived in the fear of the Lord, were encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and increased in number. And that's what I pray for the church today. I pray that we would live in a fear of the Lord, that we would have a healthy respect for your name, that we would have a healthy fear of who you are, a recognition and a reverence of your power, your control, your might, your sovereignty, your eternal nature, all the things that are so far beyond us that we would have a healthy reverence and fear of the Lord. Sometimes I feel like we are so casual in our culture, we have lost this understanding in our worship, in our churches, 
in our gatherings. And I pray that you would remind us of who you are and what that means for us. I pray that our churches would be strengthened, that we would live in that fear of the Lord, that we would be encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and that we would grow in number, not for our fame, not simply to grow, but so that more people can find their freedom in relationship with you. And I pray that as Peter went through his towns performing miracles by your Spirit, I pray that you would do that work in us, that we would have a deeper relationship with you, Spirit, that your power would be displayed in our lives, whether it's dramatically or very small ways. However you want to work in our lives, I pray that we would step into that relationship and into that power. And I pray that we would be a part of strengthening the church, having the church live in the fear of the Lord, be encouraged by you, Spirit, and that we would grow in numbers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here with me today and praying. If you're watching this on the Grace and the Gravel Road Facebook page and you found it helpful, we will be back on Monday. This is Wednesday. We'll be back on Monday at 10 a.m. Central. I would love it if you join us again. If you're a podcast listener, thanks so much for joining us on that media. And the awesome thing that you could do to increase the number of people who can join us is to subscribe to the show so that the algorithm sees it as valuable. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road. We help Christian women grow a God-first life in business. And my heart is that as you and I do this twice a week, as we pray together, that God will grow you in your prayer life as He grows me in mine. But most of all, the most important thing to me is that my prayer is that you will fall deeper and deeper in love with the God who gave us these words that we are praying. Amen. Amen.